welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. So episode 108, it's Andrew Coates here, and uh, today I'm joined by a special guest co-host, Simon Yeager. You all met Simon in episode 101, so if you haven't listened to 101, then go back and find out what Simon does. But mate, it's great to have you back on the show. Yeah, great to be back. Loving this stuff, man. Very, very cool indeed. So what's keeping you busy at the moment? It's the end of summer over there in Sweden? Yeah, lots of stuff. You know, people are getting back from from the long vacation stuff that we have here in in Sweden. So you know, lots of engagements, lots of uh, you know, looking into what happened during the summer with customers and partners, and just getting excited with about everything that's happening with the Office three sixty five development space. So very slowly dragging yourself back into the yeah, real yeah. world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, it's great, man. Of course, we're uh, we're just starting our our, our summer or spring here. It just just kicked off. We had a, a uh, we've had a, a a swag of beautiful days to kick off our 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 spring season here, and uh, looking forward to to you know, a wonderful a wonderful summer coming up. So I'll I'll be thinking of you guys, you know, shivering and and, uh, and cold as throughout the uh, throughout, throughout the long over, dark winter. Over and just skip this thing with winter and just you awesome, know, man. Back and forth. Well, if you happen to come over around the, the 14th of February, of course, Ignite in Australia is on down here for, uh, for those three, 14 to 17 February. So uh, on the Gold Coast, no less. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's sort of our, our, the Florida of Australia, if, if you really want me to sell it to you. Uh, but it's, uh, but it's a, beaut- a beaut time of year to come down here. If you, if you want to come and experience Australia and maybe tell some people about some, uh, some office developer things, that'd be very cool. Yeah, definitely, man. Speaking of office developer things, uh, you and I are going to do the news this week, and you, um, you you sent me a bunch of cool stuff you found online, and uh, perhaps we can go through some of those. Um, the first one is uh, is some nice stuff that uh, Benoit Patra has done around um, sign-in for Outlook web add-ins and multi-tenant Office 365 web apps, particularly around stuff where um, you need to use OWA and the uh, the desktop client. Yeah, so it, uh, it's actually, you know, I think it's kind of a cool story. So uh, he actually reached out a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and you know, discussed uh, some architecture around, you know, what he was having uh, uh, or actually designing around, you know, authentication and auth uh, concerning an office add-in that, you know, it might be an office add-in, but it could also be like a standalone web app that a user just browsed to. Uh, through a browser, so it's, right. so he had a, you know quite a cool, um, interesting thoughts about that, and he actually came back um, last week and, and told me that he actually open sourced his solution, and that's you know posted in the in the show notes, and the solution is just great, you know covers um, how do you deal with um, you know bringing up a pop up which is usually required when you're dealing with an authentication flow, and if you're familiar with what's happened around. Office um, extensibility. You might have seen the the dialogue API, which is available. Uh, you know, super great API for you to kind of uh, bring up pop-ups and and send messages back and forth. But this um, particular API is is not yet implemented across all of the different places where Office add-ins can run. So right. doing uh, you know doing this in a very sophisticated way. Um, usually in the past, you would uh, kind of revert back to a, a single R. Um, solution, which uh, Richard actually made a great post about. Uh, and this guy actually combined the single R approach to creating pop-ups and, and communicating messages and uses the dialogue API where, whenever uh, it is actually possible. So it's a great sample yeah. to see how to do that. 
Very, very cool indeed. As you say, we've got a we've got a link to it in the in the show notes right at the top. Um, and he actually references uh, quite a nice sample that Doug Perks, who's a, another one of our colleagues uh, based out of the US, has done around um, uh, authentication for ASP.NET MVC, which I think he's kind of extended uh, in in his, in his work. So I've got a link to that as well. Yeah, very cool. Um, one of the things that we do heaps of, of course, is authentication, and it's always been a bit of a pain to do. Um, to, to, to demo Azure AD stuff, which is what we use at our back end, because we've always had to go back to the old portal until now. Yeah. So the Azure AD experience is now in public preview. Yeah, great stuff. The only reason I still go back to the management portal is the Azure AD experience currently. Yeah, so Alex, um, Alex Simmons, uh, or Simons, who's actually on the Azure Active Directory team, published a blog post with, with the announcement of uh, bringing the Azure AD administration experience into the the Azure portal instead of the management portal. So it's a great yeah, blog post. Nice. But, you know, it's got a video on how it looks and kind of covers, uh, you know, topics on, on you know, the fact that you know it's 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 a you know it's a preview. So you know things may you know may or may not still change. Uh, but it's just so great to finally see this thing coming to the Azure portal, and you can try it out today. So it's great, you know, to um, to go out and experience this on your own and, and really feel it. Absolutely. And look, in the spirit of all the things that are happening in Azure and in Office Dev and those sorts of things at the moment, they're actively soliciting feedback on how they should make it better or whether it works for you or things that you want to change. And there's a, a link right at the bottom of that of that blog post about uh, getting onto the, the feedback forum and, and giving them a bunch of feedback. They really want to know whether it's working and, and if it's not working, what they can do to fix it or what you'd like to see. So I think it's, a, it's an awesome thing. And, and that to me is one of the, the, the big changes that we've had at Microsoft over the last 13 years that I've been here. We've really started to solicit Detailed feedback from the wider community about all the things that we want to, we, that, 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 that people want to see in our products. Yeah. And on that note, um, you know, I love this new transparency. And actually, the, the OneNote, um, OneNote dev team published a, a blog post about uh, a problem that you can find if you're using, um, using the OneNote APIs. Uh, making calls and you have a very large amount of SharePoint uh, SharePoint items in a document library, and I love the fact that they uh, they published a blog post about you know what is the current problem and what is the actual solution currently for you know getting around that problem, and it's just a great you know transparency uh, and this great new mentality that we see across the different services and offers offerings uh, within the Microsoft development space. Absolutely, and it's, I think one of the fascinating things is these these um, uh, details have moved away from the old knowledge base system, which took ages to get published and and, and vetted and, and and verified, through to where the, the 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 guys who are actually developing it live and work, which is in the, on their on their blogs. And um, this one, uh, uh, it's uh, Paresh Moradia who uh, who published this one. Uh, it, it, again, as you say, it's a detail. It's a, it's a bunch of detail, uh, very searchable. All of the error error codes you might get, uh, all the messages you might get, uh, all are all you know all there. And then, as you say, a, a bunch of remediation steps you can take to 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 make things better. Yeah, loving it. Very very cool. Hey, speaking of OneNote, the guys at OneNote have also done something very cool. They've uh, they've open sourced the OneNote Web Clipper. Yeah. So um, if you're not familiar, um, you know definitely. Go out, check out the what it is. Uh, the short version is it's an extension for yeah, pretty much all the major browsers, and it allows you to to uh, capture content from your browser from the web and pull them into OneNote. And they published a blog post on 
um, what they've done in the in the last period with this extension, and also the fact that they're actually open sourcing uh, the solution. So you know, in the along the same theme of you know this transparent Microsoft, they're you know open sourcing this this uh, super cool project. Um, they're also including a a blog post that uh, details you know a little bit more thoughts around you know what they're doing and what's going on behind the scene. Um, so definitely also along the same theme here of of I guess transparency transparency if you will. Transparency it's not just transparency is what we're doing, but actually putting it out there so other people can can build on it, improve on it, submit pull requests. It's all it's all very very cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, the one of the things I often get asked about is, you know, how do you learn about Office 365 Dev? And it's all very well. There's lots of great places you can go and look at blogging and so on. But uh, but one of the things that uh, we came across just recently is a uh, a new book that's come out, or is uh, uh, well, yeah, has, has come out, and and uh, it's uh, it's by uh, Paolo. I'll get his name wrong again. Paolo Rossi. Uh, and it's called Programming Microsoft Office 365, and it covers the graph and Office 365 applications and SharePoint add-ins and groups and, and a bunch more stuff. So definitely worth having a look at that. I, uh, I, I did buy a Kindle version, which is now sitting on my Kindle. Uh, and I'm, uh, I, I'm, uh, you and I had this discussion before about whether you should buy an actual physical book or an e-book. And yeah. uh, look, I love the idea of being able to flick through. And in fact, particularly for technical books, that makes a bunch of sense to me. Um, being able to make notes and annotations and flick back and forth. I just, it's, this is a big book. Finite amount and, of know, battery. It does mean if I carry this, I probably can't carry a power pack, you know, because <laughs> but, um, but, it, but it's neat. It's, um, it, it, it actually includes a thing called current book service, which I think means uh, they'll continue to update it uh, in the um, e-version as well, which is, which is also quite nice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Love that. Harder to do with a paper book, I have to say, as a general rule. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I, I actually, you know, I I was just browsing around Twitter and I stumbled upon this book, and it's just you know, it's just awesome. This guy's written um, a couple of books also in the past um, on also SharePoint and um, <clears throat> and Link. Uh, so, but definitely. You know, I, I, if you're interested and if this is your way of learning, I think books can be a really great way of, you know, getting up to speed and because they really are great of covering tons of different concepts. Uh, and it's really uh, a perfect developer reference for when you're starting, but also, you know, when you're getting into more advanced and deeper topics. So it's just a great thing to have laying around, whether it's, uh, you know, on your Kindle or your paperback copy somewhere. One of the things we're talking about, well, in fact, the, the subject, one of the subjects of the interview that we're going to play later on with, with Chucks is webhooks in SharePoint. But you found a neat, uh, a neat article on OneDrive webhooks and large uploads with the Microsoft Graph. Yeah, so one of the newest uh, things or announcements around the Microsoft Graph for the, the beta endpoint is, as you said, OneDrive webhooks and large uploads with the Microsoft Graph. So first one, webhooks. Um, a uh, quick version, you know, it's your way of getting, or actually your way of subscribing for notifications that are happening within a an entity or perhaps a collection. Uh, in actual terms, that means you can subscribe for changes that are happening in OneDrive. Say if a user is adding a file or deleting a file, you can actually tell the Microsoft Graph to go ahead and send your service a notification about that change so that you can make uh, or respond accordingly. So, you know, it's a super cool thing. It's around or available around a couple of other different um, resources in the Microsoft Graph. Resources, yeah. Uh, but definitely a very, very cool addition. 
And the last yeah, absolutely. Piece- and look, I, I, I love the idea of webhooks. This whole idea of a simple publish and subscribe model rather than having to go and poll things just makes so much sense. And the idea that you can set it up is, is very, very neat. We've actually published, uh, and, and Chuck's and I talk about this in the interview, um, we've actually published a specification about how webhooks should be implemented um, in, um, oh, in fact, and not just webhooks, but, but APIs in general, but webhooks is part of that. Uh, and I've got a link to that in the, in the notes from, uh, from the interview as well. So definitely worth checking that out. Um, Waldak's been busy again this week, as, as, as always. We've got a couple of uh, blog posts from him. Um, that's um, the, the, the first one that I've got here is five differences between the SharePoint framework debug and release builds. And Waldak, I just, I just love the level of detail he goes into about you know, things that um, you, know, you only discover through heaps and heaps of, um, uh, of experience. And he, he's making that available every week, which, which I'm really, really impressed with. Um, that's, uh, that, that's a really nice one uh, on, on his blog site. And the other one, is um is around building DLL code in the SharePoint framework. Um the um the uh, the stuff he's doing is uh is pretty neat where we can separate your shared code from your web parts and actually have DLLs that that that, that sit behind the behind the scenes. Um so um that that's uh it's basically uh build it's it's all about building SharePoint framework libraries which which is really neat. Again, one of those things that um everyone um everyone should sort of learn about but uh Otherwise, uh, would necessi- wouldn't necessarily uh, get the hang off straight away. Like one of the things you've been doing lots of is the um, is working on iOS, and you've been doing it with Xamarin, but you've also, I think, been doing a bunch of stuff around Objective C. Yeah, actually, done. And a, uh, go in on. The past, um, a couple of um, a couple of blog posts on like native uh, Objective C code for engaging with um, Adol, which is Active Directory Authentication Library, and the Microsoft Graph, um, and also the Microsoft Graph SDK. And what we wanted to kind of give you a pointer to uh, is a sample uh, which has been released um, about the Microsoft Graph SDK for iOS. And it's available at the Microsoft Graph GitHub repository. Uh, So, you know, other than this sample, there's lots of other great samples as well. Uh, But what this sample does is that it uses the Microsoft Graph SDK to actually pull down your profile picture uh, and display that within an application. So it's a great way of getting started uh, to see, you know, how do you go on uh, about engaging with the Microsoft Graph using Xcode and installing the SDKs with CocoaPods and that kind of stuff. So a uh, great reference, you know, to actually see actual code and, and have something running uh, in your simulator or, or on your uh, device. So great sample, definitely go out and check it out. Really nice, yeah. That that's very very cool, and I think the more of that that we can get out there, the better. And look, I, I I'm I love REST. Don't get me wrong; the whole REST API thing is very very cool. But if I can have a managed code or a strongly typed interface, I'm all for that, right? And that's that's what uh, that's what the SDK does for you in a bunch of different languages in in Android, in iOS, and in and in, in .NET, uh, and amongst other things. It's it's very very neat. Um, definitely worth checking that out. Uh, and the last thing we wanted to cover off was this uh, this neat stuff that the PMP uh, team have done, where they basically um, uh, put a whole bunch of uh, of their repository, uh, a whole bunch of their of their resources into a single part, what they call a partner pack, like a starter kit for customers and partners, which has got a bunch of things um, from their various samples into one one reusable solution, and they've put that all together up on up on GitHub. That's um, that's only gone up in the last or been updated in the last couple of days. That, that, that's very very neat. So mate, that just about wraps it up for. Um, for the, the news for this week. Thanks so much for being uh, 
for, for being a part of it. I, I, it's so much more fun doing it with someone else than, than, than trying to do it by myself. And, and while Richard can come on every once in a while, it's uh, it's beautiful to have uh, it's beautiful to have some uh, some other youthful experience and enthusiasm uh, going and on. So thanks a lot. Love to be a part. Love to be a part of it. And then, and then really you know hoping to be a part of future ones as well. Awesome man, that's great. So. Um, what we're going to do now is I'm going to roll the interview with with Chucks around around SharePoint, and we we had a great chat about um, about the SharePoint uh, uh, Dev SharePoint Framework uh, preview, uh, the second drop of that, and how they came to some of the decisions they came to 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 uh, to make the changes and make the additions they made in the second drop, particularly around how important the the community is. Uh, you and I touched on this a moment or two ago about uh, this transparency and and and, and feedback loop. And uh, and then we've spoken some more detail about the the new webhook functionality in in SharePoint. So uh, let's roll the tape. So I'm very excited uh, on on this uh, in the, for this interview to be joined by Chucks uh, on the line. Hey Chucks, how you doing? Hey Andrew, good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to to jump on and, and chat to us. I, I you've got some some cool stuff we're going to chat about today. But but I'd like to start off with uh, just an introduction about who you are and where you fit in because I know it's been a little while since you've been on the podcast. Yeah, um, I think it was a different stage then um, in the in the where I, where I was working. So, well, for folks who don't know, I'm, I'm Chuck's full name is Chuck Radeep. Um So, if you can spell that, great. If not, that's fine. Chucks is great. Um, you can call me Chucks. So, I'm part of the SharePoint Developer Platform team. So, my team currently owns the developer experience, including the uh, new SharePoint framework, uh, the CSOM, and all the other API stack as well in SharePoint. And we thrive to make sure that uh, we are, you know, making existing customers happy as well as trying to, um, you know, go forward um, and introduce new things for SharePoint as well in the developer uh, ecosystem. That's awesome. So I'd love to just drill down on that a little bit because I know that I've been chatting to a few people outside the organization and lots of people don't don't quite understand how big an organization SharePoint is. So where does the SharePoint developer experience team fit in with the larger SharePoint team? Well, it's uh, it's pretty small team when, when you compare the, the, the gazillion of things you can do in SharePoint, right? So if you take uh, the, the authoring, which is very... Um, you know, uh, a useful fe- used feature in SharePoint. There's a special team working on authoring and how pages should behave, and and what's the experience to that? How we improve that experience? Similarly, if you see there are a lot of backend teams that decide, you know, how to run the service, what are the different things that you need, you know, managing the entire deployment, and you know, all the stuff you push to Office 365, and then there is a whole big team for on-prem on how they prioritize their features that gets down to on-prem releases and, you know, what's the vehicle that they want to use. So um, it's pretty big when you compare um, SharePoint as an arc, but it's pretty small when you look at, hey, is SharePoint developer team, that's it? Like, this is it's like it's, it's very small in compared to the rest of the team. But that's because uh, we are only building the infrastructure and the, and, the, and the bottom level API stack, right? So once we build that, um, you can imagine every other team using it can actually improve on top of that. So that's how the entire, um, you know, Microsoft.SharePoint.dll kind of uh, the, the server-side model is, right? So you go Visio, you have Visio APIs coming in, CSOM, you have um, Excel and other services, you get those APIs as well. Um, but there is a collaboration um, that is done between these teams to come together and deliver uh, an extensibility system based on the foundation that my team builds. 
Um, so the features, XML, you know, all those things that you you love in that server-side world is a foundation of how other teams in Microsoft, including SharePoint teams, right? If you have a publishing page, hey, how does the publishing page get into a feature? How does feature get activated? What other things get provisioned? All that base things comes under my team. And the high-level stuff is, hey, they are our customers, just like, you know, other customers take and build on top of our platform. And how do those how do those things flow back in, into into the base into the base level? Do you have some sort of internal uh, Git repository or some other source source control and and, and issue tracking system? Yeah, I mean, there's always the you know the, there are reviews done internally. Uh, there are API reviews. There are quality reviews. Um, there is a huge uh, backlog that other teams might uh, expect us uh, from us that we need to prioritize, um, and it's the usual. <clears throat> process that everybody goes through. There's a set of prior backlog you prioritize based on, hey, what's the first party work? What's the third party work? Or if you know you do the first party work, you accrue value to the third party work, how does those fit in? And basically there is a weekly uh, reviews that we do on API stuff that comes, that every new APIs that come in. Because basically what you're seeing here is a big system where a pool of requests comes in, right? But you need to. There needs to be someone that understands and says, "Okay, that that is good based on you know the guidelines we have." Oh, that is that is not good. Maybe we need some tweaking. Uh, look, the API usage is not right. We need to change these. So that's that's where most of our devs uh, spend some time every week as well to make sure that that experience stays consistent. That's very very cool. So that's the internal feedback process. Uh, you guys have just uh, uh, released uh, the SharePoint framework moderately recently, uh, and uh, you're getting feedback not just not just from the um, not just from the the internal community, but also from external community as well. Yeah, and that was a huge change for us. So when when we uh, when Dan, uh, Luca, my peers, um, and myself we we uh, started the team a year and a half back, uh, our main goal was let's have a system that works both for first party and third parties because that's a huge benefit to us because it's, it's basically um, you're, you're having one system that is supposed to work for everyone and it fails, it fails for both. Right. Um, And that pushed us uh, and created some challenges as well as the opportunity now to, to have an open system where we can say that, Hey, if I do work for first parties, we get, the value accrued to third parties, and the same. If there is a you know third party scenario that we have to tackle, then it better be that we have that same scenario sometime um, to tackle the first parties. So the entire process got changed, and when we opened up SPFX and GitHub, um, we saw a lot of feedback uh, come up on, "Hey, I need to do this. Why isn't this possible? And why isn't that possible?" And you could clearly see the differentiation that, yeah, at at what we are today with first party web parts, we didn't have those, but we did have those in the backlog. But you can see that that certainly accrues value for third parties. And now you can see first parties also trying to say, "Oh yeah, you're fixing that. That seems to be helpful for me. Why don't I use that as well in my web part?" Right. So there's a whole big community now, not just internal, but the external users and our partners as well, jumping in and giving feedback and pushing us to you know, still uh, make great products and great APIs. 
Yeah, I think I think that's very cool, and it's such a that that, that relationship that is, is is very symbiotic because it, it it as you say it feeds back beautifully back into you guys and back into the to the other first party developers, but also out out to the third party community in in a, in a way that uh, that that makes the the relationship much less combative and much more collaborative. I, I love that. Yeah, and one thing we made sure that this time you know the engineering team is also visible in the community, right? So if you go and look at our uh, replies and, and discussions that is going on in the GitHub issues. They're all the developers here working on the SharePoint framework. Um, and that gives a, a very big um, you know, trust, at least to me, if I'm a customer, to say that I do have someone from SharePoint team actually looking into the issue, right? Because that's huge for me looking at uh, someone that submitted an issue that is not going through different channel and it's lost. It's actually going to the direct channel to the development I think that's, that's awesome, and it's something we're seeing across, at least across Office, and probably across the the Azure Azure teams as well. It's just yeah. the, this this open development uh, or open specification or open uh, open documentation process, depending on which team you're working with, has been a huge benefit, I think, and it means that people really feel like they're connected with the the team and with the, the process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what sort of things can people contribute to in the uh, in the SharePoint framework? So today we have opened up the docs. Um, so if you go to the github.com slash SharePoint, docs repo, um, there's a contribution guide. I think we can link that after uh, in the resources section of this podcast uh, that basically explains, hey, if you have some contribution or new uh, idea about uh, article that you want to contribute, here are the contribution guidelines. And you can write that article. You can submit to us. We will... Um, you know, have a review just to make sure that, that the doc is good and then have you as a contributor. Um, this going back to, you know, how MSDN days were. If you remember, MSDN always had these contributors links, right? And people were able to contribute docs to MSDN and that was validated and, and pushed forward. But here it's best, uh, it's, here it is much more open. So you issue, a, you fork the repo, you contribute in the specific place as described in the guide, contribution guide. And then you, you issue a PR and you give the information in the PR. And we have people waiting here to go and look at the PR, validate it, and basically circle back in discussions and finally approve the doc into the official docs system. Um, very, very so cool. this process, if you see, Azure has been very successful. Um, there has been quite a few contributions in the office side as well. Um, so, you know, it's time SharePoint jumped into the same bandwagon and, you know, got into the, the community world as well. Uh, because SharePoint as a community exists, right? It's, it's pretty huge. And PNP has been an uh, emblem of success in that, in that manner. So uh, we don't want to disappoint those users when you see SharePoint framework and they think that, oh, how do I contribute? Same way I contribute to PNP, right? So. Absolutely. So there's the, uh, docs, but, but you can also uh, contribute samples, right? Exactly, yep. So we have a repo for web parts, um, and you can basically, we have, I think, two pull requests right now. Uh, one from um, the famous Waldeck. Um, I think by now everybody knows who Waldeck is. We talk about um, him every week. Yeah, it's exactly, good. yep. <laughs> um, and then we have another person also submitting a search web part. Um, so, you know, that helps a lot in um, growing the platform, understanding what requirements users have, um, sometimes you build sample and you find that this little thing is not possible um, and you would go back to issues and file an issue on that and we can we can go fix it. So, um, and we, we value these contributions a lot. So 
if you look at how PNP uh, has been, um, you know, helping users to contribute, is um, their contributions are reflected in, you know, in the monthly calls and, and making sure that people get uh, attribution where they require. Um, and it's it's to me it's a it's a really uh, huge thing for as a community how we value uh, their work to us. So um, that's exactly what we're following the model. Uh, PNP, SharePoint PNP is now part of the product group. So basically VESA, uh, which I think no, you don't need any introduction for who VESA is. Uh, he's also part, he's my peer as well. So we all work together and we okay. take this community feedback now very seriously because those are our customers, those are our users. Uh, and again, it's one of those internal reorganizations that people outside might not have understood, but I think it's a really important one because it just shows how much emphasis we're putting on this relationship with the community and with, with the users and with the developers who are using the platform. It's very, very neat. Yeah. So one of the things we've done in the last couple of weeks is uh, dropped uh, a new drop of, uh, of the SharePoint framework. Uh, tell us a bit about what's new in that and where they all came from. Yeah. So that was a very interesting exercise for us. We released the first drop. And we got a huge set of feedback come in. Uh, there were a lot of, uh, you know, um, feedback around the build tools, how you, you know, what your man generates, what's the folder size, um, and, and dedupes, NPM dedupe packages, and, and other few things, small bugs in the framework. Um, so we, we thought we should basically, you know, try to see if we can, uh, move to this more rigorous model of uh, doing more frequent drops. And that was basically an exercise for us to see, hey, how far can we go? And at the same time, to actually um, make sure that the drop doesn't, you know, just go, it's just not a drop, but it, it certainly has some improvements to the previous drop. And that's how we had a long discussion in GitHub issue around the build tools on the dedupe packages and how we optimize and what things we need to choose. So that was a big uh, thing in drop two. We reduced the file size uh, significantly if you use Windows. Uh, Mac has few other packages downloaded, but we know how to fix those, but it just didn't get in drop two. But the Windows file system, if you go look at the generated folder size, um, it's significantly less than drop one. And that was due to the fact that we got you know, immense feedback and the challenge challenged us to go back and say, Okay, we need to look into this. This is a this is this is something developers value, and we need to ensure that we don't you know um, provide some packages that are not required. Just focus on the ones that we need. So that helped a lot. Um, and there are a few issues in Yeoman, like for example, there was a bug where you couldn't add another web part to the same project because the whole uh, notion of this client side project is you you have one project and you can add multiple web parts to it. Just like you have a Visual Studio solution and you add uh, different items to the solution, right? So the same concept, but there was a bug which basically uh, you had to fix manually an error in order to add another web part to the project. So we fixed that as well. Uh, so the, the release notes explains in detail um, on what we fixed and, and how to, like, if there are any workarounds. So there are a few things like that you will find us addressing the feedback uh, coming from the GitHub issues. And that's why I've been tweeting a lot uh, to say, hey, guys, if you have any feedback, uh, go to github.com, SPDev.SharePoint, slash SPDevDocs issues, and you know, just open a new issue. We even have a template. You can explain 
you can choose whether this is a question, this is a typo, this is a mistake, or you know, just that this is a new article idea that I want you to write, right? Uh, if you're not a writer, you can certainly push us new topics to us so we can find someone to write that article if it gets maximum votes or maximum discussion in GitHub issues. Um, That's so, very, very cool. How many yeah. of the, the new features in, in Drop2 do you reckon are direct results of, of uh, community uh, issues that have been raised? Pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very cool. Yeah, like if you if you look at the release notes, I mean, one thing we could have done is map everything to the issue, but there would be so many issues that we have to map. Um, but there are a lot of stuff that, um, except for the you know new properties introduced, uh, the if you see the release notes, there are like partial list of issues resolved. Everything, most of the stuff there is basically uh, feedback from. Uh, the community. Yeah, that, that's, that's so neat. Small, yeah, like one small thing is that, like one of the small issues is, hey, the SP site ID that you get in the context is uh, was was not a GUID, was just an integer. So someone opened right. an issue on that. Hey, you're using TypeScript, maybe you just, it's better to map it as a GUID, and we actually fix that. So even though yeah. if it's small, you know, it, it does make a difference in your developer experience. Very, very cool indeed. How often do you reckon we'll drop a new uh, a new uh, framework? Well, our goal is to uh, get into a maybe biweekly or weekly cadence, depending on how how we look at things. Good to um, me. Wow! But it's the model right now enables us to jump on jump into that cycle, right? Because all we need to do now is basically push uh, the npm packages in the npm. Uh, registry and that's it you you get it and the service will already have that uh, so we get much more um, robust um, distribution channel so as soon as a pub service gets updated we can immediately push uh, the package to npm registry as well very cool indeed now uh, this might be a little bit like asking you who is your favorite which is your favorite child but do you have a favorite feature of the of the framework and the uh, that, that we've released so far um well, web parts is my child <laughs> in the <laughs> framework. Um, but I think the, the cool thing for me is the ability for someone, you know, a developer to just build a web part in his, in his or her own framework because that's, uh, that's a very challenging and complex thing to solve. Um, but it, it, it helps developers to get started in SharePoint, right? So if you know Angular, Great, you can start building an Angular. If you know React, you can certainly React. Um, if you don't do those and you, you just work with jQuery, excellent. You know, we welcome you as well. There is there is no uh, maybe there are some work that the framework needs to do. Like there are some work that being done to support Angular, which is a huge ask from the community. We know that. Um, but other than that, the framework itself um, is agnostic of what JavaScript library you want to choose, and that I think is my it's my favorite feature. Like, if I had not done that, I would be very sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very cool. I, I think that, that you're right. It's, a, it's an amazingly versatile way of having it set up. So, uh, and especially with the speed at which uh, the front end framework world is moving, it's almost essential because otherwise we'll be stuck with whatever was around at the time that the framework was released rather than saying, you know what, we know things are going to change. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be able to adapt. Yeah. Yeah, very, very cool indeed. 
So one of the other things that we've uh, we've announced in the last uh, week or two is the release of webhooks on uh, on SharePoint. Yeah. So while we do great stuff in the SharePoint framework, there's also the other spectrum, other end of the spectrum where the APIs exist, right? So that's very keen for add-ins. That's very keen for you know people building and and solutions outside and talking to SharePoint, um, even for workflows and things like that. So the webhooks is really uh, targeting the scenario where, hey, I have a business process that needs to do something uh, based on, you know, some event that happened in SharePoint. So this has been, you know, tackled a lot on the server side using event receivers. Uh, the add-in model introduced a remote event receiver. Um, and and basically now we are we have gone uh, to the next level, which is the webhooks, which is the key difference here is that webhooks is a very standard model across different services that already do, uh, you know, eventing system, right? So if you go GitHub, you want to know when something new issue created or you want to know when somebody creates a pull request, you have webhooks that you can configure to do all those things. Similarly, if you go to, you know, our own graph and, and emails and exchange, they have notifications too. So all that enables a really good, robust system for you to get events uh, notification from a cloud system. So, so it's essentially a, a pub sub model. Is that what exactly? You, yep. yep. It's, so it's very. You can subscribe to changes or ev- events that happen on on lists, on uh, on sites, those sorts of things. Exactly. Yep. So the webhooks for SharePoint uh, starts with today with uh, list item events okay. in a list. So you create a subscription on a list, and um, the subscription now once it's um, what happens is uh, once you register and create a subscription, it sends you a validation message just to say that, hey, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you are a person, you're not a robot kind of thing, right? So it can respond and, and send back uh, the challenge verification that the webhooks mechanism sends. So you need, you need to set up some, some external infrastructure that allows you to receive these notifications. Exactly. And it's essentially a, a web API. Exactly, a web API. And the web API can be any web API, right? Uh, it just needs to be an HTTPS protocol that you can send and receive notifications from. Unlike remote event receiver is basically a WCF service that you need to run, right? So that's a big difference, one of the big differences between remote event receivers and normal webhooks. Um, and, and once that is done, then SharePoint knows that, hey, for every change in this list, uh, for the list items, I need to send a notification to this service endpoint. And now what happens is if you go update an item, or if you add an item, um, you get a notification saying that, hey, some change has happened in this list that you are interested in, right? So that gives you a simple notification system. Now, then the service needs to understand that and say, okay, uh, now I need to basically query the list and understand what those changes are. And that is exactly the same that people have been using uh, uh, for long today is the Get Changes API. So the Get Changes API is implemented at several places in SharePoint, right? So you can basically query SharePoint list and say Get Changes, and it gives you all the changes that has happened um, since that time you asked for with a change token in it. Right. So then you can save the change token, and the next time you query the list, you can say, hey, give me the changes but since this change token, not from the start, right? Got it. So, so when, you, when you first set up the, the, the subscription, you store the current change token? Exactly, yep. So and when, then you pass you that a, next time a change happens, right? Exactly. Once you make the first call, 
Um, you then SharePoint will give you a change token back in the Get Changes API. So you store that uh, because that's relevant to that subscription to that Get Changes, and then you basically keep sending that, and you'll get a new change token back. And so this way, um, you know, we also made sure that there's no data loss. One of the key feedback in remote event receivers is that uh, the remote event receiver notification uh, packet, if you look at that, it has the actual information of the item changed or item updated. And if for some reason the remote event receiver doesn't get to you uh, due to some DNS issue or due to some network issue, basically you lost that information, right? So you never know what happened and you couldn't process that information. But now uh, what we did with Webhooks is we have a retry logic so that we don't you know, forget you that, hey, we have to send you this information. We try at least five times. Um, right. And within like every five minutes, and that increases based on some algorithm insight. Um, and then we try to reach you. But at the same time, there's also duplicate uh, processing, batch processing. So by the time we try three times to send you, and if there is another new event, we stop retrying and we start the retry from the new set of uh, notification. And then all it is sending is basically, uh, hey, something changed, right? Because the get changes API is the one that's going to help you understand what are the changes. And since you have a change token, it's pretty clear that you're going to get changes since that change token. And if you had missed one or two notifications and you get the third notification, your change token will help you to get all the changes since that time. That's very, so very cool. That's how we kind of make sure that you don't lose data. And this is very critical for workflow because the workflow needs to know that, hey, someone modified, you know, some, um, I don't know, field to published equal to yes or, you know, loan approved yes. And that needs to trigger a workflow, right? Sure. So and if you miss that, then that may not happen. That's right. I get it. Yeah, it's exactly. very cool. Yep. Uh, Vesa and Bert did quite a nice uh, webcast on this back in June, actually, when they were introducing the webhooks piece. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But it does explain a bit more, in a bit more detail about the flow of of um, the the notifications yeah. and the and the request back to to get uh, to get cha- to get changes API. Yeah, and that's again a very good example of how the product team is working with the PNP community, right? So um, we we made sure that you know we have a lot of resources in PNP that are very good in this space and have been helping customers do similar things with add-ins and remote event receivers. So we made sure we are getting these feedback addressed. You know, Bird is a really good resource for us in, in, these, uh, in this area. And he has provided us immense help and feedback to help us understand how customers would look at it. And we ended up building two samples, actually. So if you go to the Webhooks docs and look at the Get Started, it's a, a plain HTTP request um, through the Postman client. So right. I think uh, Postman is a very good example of how you don't have to build an entire app, but just use the Chrome plugin to query and get details. So I use very that cool. and, uh, Visual Studio Web API. So it's pretty low level, but uh, it helps you understand exactly what is going on. But if you want to look at, hey, I'm an enterprise, uh, I want to build these webhooks implementation, that is not enough. Show me something real world example and pattern that I can follow. And that's exactly the sample reference implementation that we worked on to make sure that... It's, that's very cool. Look, this, this to me seems like an ideal situation where you might use something like Azure Functions as the, as the webhook receiver at the back end. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the whole model is generic. So if anybody says that they support webhooks, um, 
you should be able to go build an Azure function and try to you know basically integrate that with SharePoint WebHooks. Very very cool indeed. Now, mate, I'm, I'm going to ask you this one. It may, it may be an uncomfortable question, but I, I get it a lot. Where um, where do we sit with Graph and uh, and SharePoint? Because we've been talking about the Microsoft Graph a lot as as an important part of the the one endpoint to rule them all. But SharePoint doesn't really seem to be playing very uh, very nicely in that space yet. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm very very happy to that you brought up this question. Um, we are totally committed to integrating with Graph, right? But that also enables us that hey, we need to go figure out how we bring this entire data set, uh, the huge data set of SharePoint, what it provides, and how we articulate that in Graph. And that's a very complex problem for us as well um, because now we need to make sure that uh, the authentication system, the backend system, the API stack um, are really good for that. So we don't want to go out um, with, you know, one of the things that SharePoint Today, if you see, the API stack has grown very large. Uh, the things that you can do with List API, the things that you can do in CSOM, even there, you see people you know, coming to us and saying, hey, the REST API doesn't do this. I have to switch to CSOM. Can you please give the support in REST API? So what we're doing really is trying to understand that how we can build a system that integrates with Graph and enables us to push new APIs and fixes, the same way what we're doing in SharePoint Framework, right? The model today, if we had stuck with how CSOM is, is really hard for us to grab everything and push everything. But with SBFX, we are trying to experiment and make sure that we are in a position to say, if we see feedback, we get that value, we push it, and we have a system to test it and validate it. Similarly, for graph, we need the same thing. And there's also the difference of um, we need to make sure the current enterprises and market gets value out of the current API set. So we are building those API sets in the current uh, endpoints, but the same API set is easily now, uh, you know, can be pushed to graph because we're following uh, uh, Microsoft One API guidelines. Um, I don't know whether the readers are familiar with it, but I think we should put a link to that. Uh, so Microsoft published uh, an API guidelines on how Microsoft builds APIs. And if you see that, there'll also be a webhook documentation. And it's exactly following the same pattern, right? So that helps us within Microsoft and within Graph ecosystem to say that tomorrow when SharePoint comes on board, there's nothing that the developer has to do except change the prefix of the endpoint in the webhooks to point to Graph. The rest of the stuff, the protocol, the post, the, the patch, the delete, the put is exactly the same. Very cool so indeed. The, the, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about that because I've bought completely into the, this graph vision, this this one endpoint to rule them all vision, and, I, and I'm I'm so pleased that you guys are uh, on on that uh, on that journey, as are a number of other um, parts of the the Microsoft organization. Yeah. yeah, and and we'll have more to share in Ignite and and moving forward. The team is really you know we, we don't have we still have a limited number of resources that we need to prioritize <laughs> and push things forward. Yeah, sure. So Ignite's probably your, your next big uh, big event coming up. Uh, what else is on the horizon for you guys? Well, we need to now you know, start uh, discussing around what are the next set of uh, things we want to fix. There has been really good support on the issues, so we are looking at that. Uh, we triage daily, and you, know, you can see us updating the issues. Um, so there is the plan for, hey, what's the next drop? How does that look? Um, and what do we do for Ignite? Because that's that's going to be a key thing. So we have a lot of plans for 
Um, you know, if you are coming to Ignite, you should visit our booth. Um, you should uh, uh, come and talk to us. We are there for the whole week. Um, and basically now plan for the next quarter. Uh, what are we going to do? Like, what are the next features? How do we make the SharePoint framework GA? How do we make webhooks GA? Because that's the key thing for our partners and customers to start building production-ready web parts and uh, solutions for webhooks. Very cool indeed. Well, Chuck, thanks for taking the time to, to have a chat with you today. I, I really appreciate it. It's clarified a number of things around the framework, the community, and, and, and webhooks in particular. Uh, and um, look, is there anything anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, um, don't be afraid. Just go to the you know GitHub SharePoint SP Dev Docs and keep submitting issues. Awesome. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the show in another few episodes to tell us about some of the other cool stuff you're up to. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Sure, I'll be happy to do that. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, keep on coding.